And now it's time for Mind Body Health with your host, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning. We're going to have a very interesting show today that I wish the whole county could listen to. I have three people here to talk about addiction medicine and harm reduction. Um, um, we have twice the OD death rate as the rest of California, and it's um, it's a terrible state, and we need to do something about it. And fortunately, we have the resource to do something about it. Um, it's going to be Marianne Cox Gould, uh, Austin Peterson, and I have Valerie Moore in Covalo. Um, so it's a difficult subject, but a very important subject to the county. So I'm going to start off by asking Marianne uh, to tell us how she got to Mendocino County. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I am actually a native of Mendocino County. I um, moved to Navarro with my parents, Jerry and Kathy Cox, when I was five years old and grew up um, in Anderson Valley and going to school over on the Mendocino Coast. Totally cool. Okay, a native girl. I uh, don't have that often on the radio. Okay, so... Uh, Marianne, why don't you introduce us to the subject? All right, wonderful. So I like to talk today a little bit about what um, we have available to um, the community in Mendocino County for addiction treatment. And I'm here representing Adventist Health. Um, we have seen an increase in heroin and fentanyl use um, in the last several years. And... Adventist Health um, became interested in treating addiction uh, medicine three years ago when a physician at Howard Hospital, Juliette Lemaire's, applied for a grant called the California Bridge Grant to address opioid use um, in the hospital setting. So we started the program three years ago at Howard Hospital. Um, really, the intention was to meet patients where they are when they uh, enter the hospital, coming into the emergency room for um, withdrawal of any kind of opiate, whether it would be prescription opiates or uh, heroin withdrawal, treating them with a medication called buprenorphine, which is a very effective medication. Um, some would know it as Suboxone uh, in the emergency room, and then referring patients to um, medication-assisted treatment clinics. And I think it's important for people to realize that they can go to any hospital in Mendocino County to receive this therapy? Yeah, so in the three years that we've been doing this program at Howard Hospital, um, the other hospitals in the county at Ukiah Valley and also um, Mendocino Coast grew interested in having this program as well in their um, emergency department and also for any patient that um, was um, admitted to the hospital. And so you can walk into any hospital in the county and receive um, services for addiction treatment. So um, let's start by, okay, so there, there's help available, but I'd like you to define what the problem is. Or tell me, I've always been shocked that otherwise seemingly bright, intelligent people have these problems. Tell us some about addiction medicine, or addiction, I guess I should say. Well, I think that um, addiction doesn't discriminate, and that often we have 
this idea that you may need to have um, childhood trauma or um, abuse and or a family history of, of addiction, but that addiction is really a disease and anyone can um, have the potential to have it. And if we think about addiction, um, every person that we know probably knows someone or has a family member uh, or friend or they themselves has experienced some level of addiction and dependence. So um, why don't you tell us um, what a typical patient is coming into the emergency room or however you want to start? Absolutely. So when we first started the program uh, at Howard Hospital, the intention was to really address opiate withdrawal um, and to really serve people who use opiates in a more um, compassionate and empathetic way, really uh, providing them with this medication to give them some relief from their withdrawal in the hopes that they would choose um, treatment and potentially recovery. As the program grew, we saw in this county a real need to also address alcohol use disorder and methamphetamine use disorder. So we've expanded our services to offer um, treatment for anyone with addiction. Uh, so if you have someone who suffers from, um, you know, alcohol use, uh, marijuana use, methamphetamine, cocaine, uh, heroin, fentanyl. <laughs> or all of the above. Or all of the above. I'm surprised how polysubstance abuses yeah so coming into the hospital um we have a a person um in each hospital setting called the substance use navigator who meets the patient does a brief screening with them and offers them different um, programs that are available in the county that could be in a residential treatment program it may also be in a clinic with a substance use counselor and or receiving um, you know primary care um, with medication to treat the the addiction also, I want you to know that I'm now the new medical director for Ford Street and is sort of the left and the right hand, uh, you know, outpatient versus inpatient. Um, um, both are available to people. So I was going to invite Valerie Moore, <clears throat> who works in Covalo, as the director of the substance use program there um, to talk a little bit about the opiate use um, problem that we're seeing in Mendocino County. Okay, Valerie. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Yes, so I work in Round Valley. I'm the MAP project coordinator and case manager. But um, so we're seeing, so Mendocino County ranks fourth in California for opioid-related deaths. And we're also seeing a huge rise in fentanyl use. Um, Fentanyl is an extremely powerful opioid. It's synthetic, and it's now being found in about 80% of all street drugs. 80%? Um, 80%. We um, recently, in Covalo, had a um, an overdose that was reversed by Narcan, but this, um, this young adult was using cocaine. And thankfully, someone was there to recognize the that... He was in an opioid um, overdose, and 
and she administered Narcan and saved his life. So, Could you explain what Narcan is and how you get it? So Narcan is an opioid overdose reversal medication. You can come to me and get it. You can go to your pharmacy. Um, Marian- you could probably go to Marianne and get it as yes. well. But it's a nasal spray. And if you notice that someone is is overdosing from an opioid, which looks like they could be, it looks, they could look like they're sleeping, but if you hear a gurgling noise or if they're turning blue, they're non-responsive, then you would administer the Narcan and you would just put it up their nostril and spray and then put them in a recovery position, which is on their side. But it's very important to also call 911 um, because fentanyl is so strong that they may need more than one dose. They may need three sprays of Narcan. So it's very important to call 911. Um, okay. So, um, again, um, tell me what it's like. Someone someone finds somebody on the floor. They don't have Narcan. They call 911. They may have to do uh, respirations because opioids stop your breathing is the problem. Um, and that's why you die of asphyxia. Um, give them mouth to mouth. Call nine one one if you have Narcan. That's great. They come to the emergency room and and one of our substance use navigators would meet with the person um, if they were out of their um, you know opiate overdose and have a conversation about treatment options in the, in the community or in the county. One of the um, really amazing benefits available to um, people who have partnership or Medi-Cal is that there is a new benefit called wellness and recovery where um, uh, residential inpatient treatment is available up to 90 days for anyone who's interested in doing treatment. And so that's one of the things that we're available, that we're able to help people is to get into, um, into rehab. And just think about this, folks. Um, when you talk about addiction, um, I don't know what the stats are, but if you detox for seven days, uh, I don't know what the stats are about going back to use. But um, drug Medi-Cal exists now, and study after study after study shows that if you're dry for 90 days, you have a much higher chance of becoming clean the rest of your life than just seven days or even 30 days. And that's where Ford Street is an excellent choice, and it's available to everybody in the county. So I've invited um, one of our substance use navigators, Austin Peterson, who works at Howard Hospital, to share um, his personal story of recovery with us today. Hi, everybody. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful to be here. Um, you know, I've been working at Howard now for about six months, and uh, it's been, you know, a really uh, great way for me to like get back and give back after the help that I've received. Um, you know, for me, addiction started, you know, pretty young and it, and it was slow to begin, um, you know, and it, it progressed slowly, but eventually it kind of took everything over. Um, and it was really like when I started to get honest with myself and reach out to, uh, doctors in the medical community that things really started to turn around. Um, my story includes Suboxone. I was on it for uh, a little over 18 months. 
Um, and it really was the thing that um, kind of gave me stability and allowed me to like step back into my own life and make decisions. So, you know, I, I honestly don't know if I'd be sitting here today without it. And so I always um, try to bring that attitude when I meet patients in the ED because, you know, we don't know how those encounters are going to turn out long term. You know, and so it's really important to kind of come in with that attitude. So enlighten everybody about Suboxone, because to me, it's sort of this wonder drug that um, I think is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it works is, is the best thing I can say about it. Um, you know, it initially the transition from using other drugs to Suboxone is kind of uncomfortable. But once you get stable, you know, a lot, a lot of the um, the things that go with addiction start to start to fall away because you don't have to, you're not out seeking, you know, you're not spending your days finding ways to get more. And so and the other thing it does, it kind of brings you back into society in a way where you start to lose some of the shame around using because, you know, now you're going to see doctors, there's people giving you... Um, you know, support and care, and that's different than when you're <clears throat> living, you know, uh, kind of on the edges of society. So, Marianne, do you want to talk about the chemicals, or Valerie, you want to talk about the chemical? Why does Suboxone work? Valerie, I'll let you take that. Okay, so so Suboxone is two drugs. It's um, buprenorphine and naloxone. So buprenorphine has a 36-hour half-life. So it's a long-acting opioid, and it also has a blocker in it. So um, define so blocker. The, define blocker. Okay, so the so it has naloxone, which is an opioid blocker. It um, it if you are on Suboxone and you take another opioid, it's going to block those effects. Um, and so. What's really great about the Suboxone is that it also plateaus in your system. So once you're on Suboxone and you get on a, um, a dose that works for you, it levels out. So you're not up and down, like ping-ponging up and down. You're on a, you're on a, like in the middle ground. And um, you're also safe from overdosing because of the naloxone and the buprenorphine. Great. Um, you were going to present somebody that recently got on Suboxone that we saw in Covalo? Yes, I'm ex extremely proud of this person. Um, so we had somebody come, and he was he was using about 15 grams of Kratom three times a day. Um, and he was extremely nervous to um, go through the withdrawals because withdrawals can are they're hard to go through, it's very scary, it's painful, and you get all these emotions that you haven't felt in a long time. But So you have to be, with Suboxone, you have to be in withdrawal before we can get you on Suboxone. So, um, so we like to have them stay, be clean for about 24 to 36 hours. And this person did a home induction, which is great because he could get on Suboxone in the comforts of his own home, but I was there to walk him through the process. Um, once uh, we knew that he was completely in withdrawal and scored th a 36 on the cows um, scale, we put him on Suboxone. And 
I asked him about 20 minutes after he took his first dose, which was about four milligrams, how he was feeling. And he said he was feeling a lot better. So we increased that dose to eight milligrams. And he said then he really didn't feel much of the withdrawal symptoms anymore. And he said it completely turned like he completely it turned his life around like in that moment i felt like and we've been working with him since and yeah so he's leveled out physically so now we have a great chance to work on what drove him to use in the first place so now the emotions the emotional part is coming in and we can now work on that and get him into counseling so then he's on a level playing field to actually work on that I, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I was shocked to see that four out of five people that overdosed and died, um, they started taking opiates when they were injured. They had an orthopedic problem. They had some medical problem. And I think doctors are at fault, including myself, especially early on when the Slacker family and Purdue Pharmacy was telling us a bunch of lies, that opiate use by physicians was incredibly easy to come by and i don't care how strong you are you take uh, narco for 30 days and then you tell me that you don't have a problem getting off of it um and i think uh, i would like austin to talk to us about that because what i hope is the people that are listening to the show who know someone that uh, has a problem um you know there's a lot of genetics to this no one should feel shameful or, you know, they're a lesser person. I don't care who you are. You take Narcan, I mean, Narco long enough, uh, you'll do anything to get some more. Um, yeah, I mean, I could speak on that. So, you know, uh, over long-term use, your brain starts to really crave, you know, and it actually changes the, the chemistry of our, our minds. And so that's why uh, medical-assisted treatment is, like, one of the most powerful tools we can start um, with counseling and other behavioral tools because it, it allows, you know, the suboxone sits on your receptors in your brain. It's a half agonist, so you don't really get that um, full euphoric feeling, but you don't feel sick, you know. And so, <clears throat> again, it takes away some of the shame around getting, finding, and using. Um, and it also allow, it takes away the fear, the fear of going through withdrawal. Um, because I know for me, personal experience, like that was a big motivator to keep doing the things that I was doing because withdrawal is a very painful experience. And it's not just physical, it's emotional, you know, it's all these things. And, you know, when you're in it, you feel like you have a choice. You know, it's like, do I choose to be sick or do I choose to be well? And Suboxone kind of like, um, it makes that choice a lot easier. You know, you only have to take it once a day, it's long acting. Um, and you you start to kind of level out over time. And so, um, you know, I think the important thing for anyone who has a, a person in their life that's struggling with this to remember is that, you know, the brain changes. And so these people are literally, you know, in some form of uh, sickness. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a I'm trying to think of the word. It's, it's a, you know, it gets worse over time. And so it takes a long time for the brain chemistry to kind of calm down. And <clears throat> again, I think that's why medical assisted treatment really can be so helpful because it allows, um, you know, the, the brain chemistry to change slowly over time 
to um, give someone who's struggling with addiction some stability that they've been looking for for a long time. And um, it really brings us out of the shadows, you know, and, um, and, and I think that's an important thing to remember. Like when the cycle happens, um, one of the things is the shame and the guilt that we feel and for using, and the only time that goes away is right after we use. And so something like Suboxone that starts to break that cycle, you know, uh, can be invaluable, I think. And I want the uh, public to also know that at Ford Street, you can go in for up to seven days for uh, withdrawal. And if you come to Ford Street, um, we have protocols for uh, Librium, Finergan, um different types of drugs to make uh, withdrawal easier because from what I see going through withdrawal is hell on earth for a couple of days Um, and um, you'd be surprised how much better you feel on some Ativan Um, but I want people to understand that there's a you know you don't have to do this at home alone you can come to an inpatient place and have people looking on you looking after you for 24 hours a day giving you medications because i do think that the suboxone uh, and the detox people do give you a light at the end of the tunnel that otherwise seems impossible to reach yeah i think um the one thing that i try to remember when talking with patients the most important thing for treatment is actually the treatment component which is meeting with people you know doing the the follow-up visits the counseling that kind of stuff because none of these things are are magical they're just tools in our toolbox that we get to use so um i think you know for me um things really changed like i said when i came in and and made the phone call to get help and then continue to engage with people because it's really the people that helped uh, me get better and, and the Suboxone and the doctors and all the medications were very helpful at the time, but continuing to stay engaged with the other elements of my treatment, you know, is what led me um, eventually to the road of recovery, which is uh, really when things changed too. So, so Yuki Trails in Covalo or Marianne, I'd like uh, you all to talk some more about this because it isn't just a magical pill and you're okay. There's a lot of therapy and talking and to this. The pills help, but I don't think you get well unless you address these other issues. Yeah, one of the things that um, our program through Adventist Health, the California Bridge Program, the intention is to really reduce um, stigma in the hospital setting and to really offer support um, in an empathetic and compassionate way to the patients that are coming in with substance use disorder. And one of the ways that we do that is having our son or some substance use navigator sit and and listen and work with the patients who have come in um, and who are suffering with addiction. And then meeting them where they are to see what it is that they're interested in, whether they want to go to a clinic locally in the county for suboxone treatment, for um, counseling for alcohol use disorder. There's also medication-assisted treatment for alcohol use disorder, which is um, can be very effective and very supportive for people who um, are suffering with uh, alcohol use disorder. Or, like I said, helping to support people to get into residential treatment. Um, 
one of the barriers to care and one of the intentions behind California Bridge is that people don't want to come in to the hospital setting, to come into clinical or medical settings because they're afraid that they're going to be seen as drug seekers or they're going to experience stigma by medical staff. And our program is um, really holding the intention of support and care for people with addiction. I, also, I really like that, Marianne. Yeah. Here in Round Valley at UQ Trails, we really like to say it's a judgment-free zone, anti-stigma, and we'll meet people where they're at. I also wanted to let people in Kogelo and Round Valley know that if they do need detox or inpatient treatment, we can get them there. Um, we, we want to help people as much as possible. And if a home induction or doing going through the MAP program here, at home is better suited for the person, we can go that route, but we are, we also have other routes and other means to get them to inpatient or detox. I want to talk just a little bit more about fentanyl because having my sister-in-law's neighbor die of it, and when you say 80% of drugs have fentanyl in them, uh, I don't think that most people realize that it's a, a dime size amount will kill you. And it's a hundred times stronger than morphine, a hundred times stronger than morphine. And people are coming in that fentanyl's been put in their marijuana, or their Xanax, or anything, and it's terribly addictive, which is what they want. They want you to become addictive to it. And the other thing that I'm would like to hear from all three of you about is, I have such a hard time reaching people, and I'm told that everybody has to be ready, but I just you know. How do you go to your friend or your family member to get them engaged in this? I think planting seeds um, and just letting know, letting them know that you care and that there is help available and just giving them the information about the program will help. But But it's right. It's true. They have to be ready. They have to be ready in their own mind before before they're going to come to you and actually try to detox and get on Suboxone or whatever kind of um, help they may need to get off what drugs they're using. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a there's a saying, um, a recovery saying, which is um, meeting people where they are but not leaving them there. And so what that would mean for us is, you know, the door is always open. Reminding people, first of all, understanding addiction and also understanding that there is an element of suffering and, um, and pain and hopelessness that comes with addiction. And so being available, being supportive, continuing to offer services and being a person that someone feels safe to go to is what we really try to work with the patients that continue to come in who are who are continuing to use um, and allowing them the opportunity to try and try again so just keep asking if they want support because i guess that what you're saying austin is that you feel like you're out there in left field and nobody cares and nobody wants to deal with you but knowing that somebody does care is probably the best thing available yeah, I mean, for me, it was um, a long process. You know, um, I would kind of pull my head up for air um, every once in a while, and I think I would get moments where, like, I could have made the decision earlier in my journey. Um, and really, like, it took a lot for me. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things, 
where I think if you are a person who has someone in your life or, or you're trying to support someone who, who struggles with addiction, it's like the best thing I can recommend is, is A, show up supportive, but, but also like, you know, educate yourself and um, find healthy ways to like take care of yourself as well because this is um, a lot, especially if it's in your family. Um, there's a lot of support out there. You know, if you, if you speak about these things with people, I think that's really helpful because you can get plugged into the right kind of help for you. And I think when we come to the table um, in a good place, we can show how this thing can change for other people. Because I know for me, like, you know, I could have been told a million times that this is what I needed to do and this and this and that, and like, you know, um, like a punitive system. And, and that's not really what changed uh, my path. It was really when people that I identified with showed me a different way. You know, so I think that um, there's a difference between, like, telling someone and, and being there and trying to show them. And, and I think that subtlety is something we all got to learn, you know, and continue to practice because... You know, and and I think case by case, you know, because one reason why one person um, falls into addiction is going to be vastly different than why someone else does. And so, um, you know, I, it is a challenge, but I think it's one that if we show up for, we can at least help. What was that quote you had, Marianne? Meeting people where they are, but not leaving them there. Okay. Um, tell us about AA before we start taking phone calls, because I'm always impressed with if people get to AA and it's not a bunch of 70-year-old men and, you know, balding, you know, in fold-up chairs, there's lots of different AAs out there. But Yeah, I may share this um, with Austin, but I think that um, there is... There's a lot of support through the 12-step community, um, and there is 12-step for almost every um, component of substance use. And recovery is a very personal journey. One of the things um, that I think is the most important about the 12-step programs uh, is the community that you'll find and the support that you'll get from other people who are living and experiencing um, this journey of recovery and addiction. And it's essential to have a community um, to share in because it can be, you know, there's relapse with addiction and there's struggle, and it's really important um, to have that level of support as well as, you know, part of this this journey is learning about the self and the 12 steps are designed to really start to uncover um, these aspects of of the self that have led you to use in the first place I think we're going to start taking phone calls and if you'd like to call in to Mind Body Health and ask uh, Marvin Trotter or any of our guests a question that phone number is 707 895 Two four four eight. That's seven zero seven eight nine five two four four eight. Okay, um, Marianne or Valerie. Yes. 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 <laughs> uh, tell me more, Valerie, about getting people initiated, uh, or t- tell us more about um, Yuki Trails, because I'm always surprised at the number of people that are available. Uh, tell us more of the structure of Yuki Trails and how it works. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So Yuki Trails is our human services department, 
And there we have two substance use counselors, um, one female and one male, Kenny and Jerry Lind. Both of them are wonderful. And then we have Dr. Mack, our resident psychologist, and he's great to see if you have a co-occurring disorder, which we do see a lot of. If someone comes in presenting with a substance use disorder, usually there's a co-occurring disorder that goes along with that. So it's great that we can connect those services. And then we also have um, case management. So we also have a MAP program. So if someone does need um, medication or medical assistance with their substance use, they come to see me and I would be their case manager. And then I would call you Dr. Trotter because you are our ex-wavered provider at the clinic, which um, our clinic is separate from, is at a separate location that were then Yuki Trails, but we do have those services. I also would like um, um, Marianne to talk about Dr. Young, who I think is a great asset to the community. Yeah, and I was going to mention some of the other um, clinics and programs that we have in the county. So Dr. Young is an Adventist health um, physician. He's a pain management specialist, but he also has um, an MAT, which is a medication-assisted treatment um, program. Uh, and he's an incredible provider, um, a really uh, loving and compassionate um, person. He's also an addiction medicine specialist. So through Adventist Health, that would be one um, uh, possible program to engage in, as well as um, Redwood Medical Clinic in Willits has a wonderful program called Redwood Recovery, and they have a counselor, Haley Blair, um, who's a substance use counselor, as well as three um, providers who prescribe Suboxone. And it's a really phenomenal program that's available to anyone in the county who's interested. Also, let's talk just a moment about Fort Bragg and then the New Life Clinic, which is uh, something just started in Ukiah. Yeah, so the New Life Clinic is a really um, exciting clinic to have available to us in Mendocino County. It's a, a methadone clinic as well as Suboxone treatment. Um, Pinoleville um, received a grant um, and they have recently opened a clinic. And so methadone has been a huge barrier for people with opiate use um, disorder in this county. We had a methadone clinic in the early 90s, and it closed. And so people who were using methadone had to travel daily to Santa Rosa to get their dose. So the way that methadone is dispensed is um, not by prescription, but for um, you have to go in daily to a clinic and get your dose. So New Life um, is available in Ukiah, and they also have a really phenomenal behavioral health component, and they're going to be starting groups um, and other kind of well-briety and native wellness um, Programs. Yeah, it's, and it's open to the native population as, as well as the non-native population. And it's just two or three blocks from the hospital, as is Ford Street. Um, and they have a physician, a nurse practitioner. Uh, they have a beautiful facility. They revamped um, the building that they're in. And it's another great outpatient um, clinic that's available for people. I Again, uh Talk to the people that you're worried about. Contact uh, us somewhere at one of the hospitals or Ford Street or New Life. Uh, there's a 
lots of available um, ways you can start getting engaged uh, with success, be it Covalo or Fort Bragg or wherever. And please call us at 895-2448, 895-2448 for your questions. Dr. Trotter, one thing I wanted to mention was the way that our programs are designed is to really meet the need of the person when they are ready. So what um, what that means is that if someone is in withdrawal, if someone is um, ready to go into treatment, we are able to get them an appointment the next day in a clinic. Wow, the next day. And here we have our first call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, um, I'm calling to kind of talk about my personal experience with the MAP program okay. um, in Willits. Okay. So um, essentially my story um, is a pretty pretty common one, I think, that um, I was an athlete. I was prescribed prescription painkillers for a very long time and um, basically got myself very addicted Um there was a huge stigma um, in this small town um, and in my, my own personal kind of mind that I didn't want anyone to know how much I was struggling. Um, I had graduated from, you know, using prescription pain pills to um, heroin. And Marianne met me um, kind of where I was at at the time. I was so afraid for anyone to know what was going on with me that she would uh, meet me outside of the hospital ground kind of um, talk, to, talk me through what was going on in my life and um, was really there for me, kind of to talk me into being open to treatment, being open to getting help for something I'd struggled with for, for you know, years. We're talking a decade. So um, I went through the MAP program at Advanced Health for, for a while um, and took Suboxone. And for me, um, I struggled with it a lot. I had been using opiates for a long time in my life, and Suboxone didn't do it for me. Um, so I'm calling to say that, that now I'm doing the New Life Clinic. I think people that are struggling with opiate use disorder um, should be open to either going to Adventist Health or going to New Life and just talking to the doctors there. Um, for me, you know, I've been sober for over two months, and right. it's been a huge life-changing experience for me. I'm always shocked at how people can go on doing this for years. It just seems like it would just completely take over your life. Well, for me, I was a very functional addict. Um, I worked the entire time. I, um, you know, I really, I really kept it hidden. I thought, um, you know, a lot of my friends and family could tell something was wrong, especially when I started using heroin um, over my Oxycontin pills. So. For me, I, I hit I had rock bottom that um, other people probably didn't hit. You know, it was uh, still functioning, still had a home, still had a, a job, but I was struggling so much um, and so scared of anyone knowing what I was going through that, you know, definitely um, Austin helped me through it. Marianne helped me through it. So if you're out there struggling with an, with an addiction problem, um, contact Adventist Health. Um, or New Life Clinic. You know, I just can't speak highly enough. Um, it changed my life. So, Thank you very much. I think that was a very typical emotional story that, again, I'm just shocked that people can go through this for so many years with the difficulties, I would think, of trying to do this on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah I mean, 
that's that's opiate addiction though you know it wasn't something that i i knew was a problem for years um and it helped me to i thought perform better at my job and and it made me more you know outgoing but in the end it was killing me um and i couldn't stop you know and and that realization that that coming to terms with that and having to say that out loud and and all that is huge you know and people need help doing that thank you very much for your call I'm, yeah of course thank you um and good luck two months keep it up um you know i i want other people to realize that um my sister-in-law had this wonderful woman that I had spoken to five days prior to her death in Redwood Valley who had gotten off of heroin, um, was doing great. She was 35, and then uh, someone brought some heroin over, and it was had fentanyl in it. And just that one time it killed her because people think, oh, I'm only going to use so much heroin when it's laced with fentanyl it kills them. We have another call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I didn't catch the beginning of the show. I just caught on okay. it recently. But I'm guessing it sounds like you're just talking about uh, opiate addiction. Well, we're happy to talk about methamphetamines and alcohol also. But I'm, I'm, I want people to realize that this new drug, Suboxone, is available. But what would you like to talk about? Oh, well, um, see... So many of the things that you're saying about this, the opium addiction, I struggle. It's the same thing with tobacco addiction. Mm. Um, It's killing me. They know it's just uh, maybe even more addictive than... I'm so glad that the opiate addiction stuff is being handled, but I pray uh, that someone will get some serious, supportive rehab with all the support for people who want to quit smoking and can't do it without support because of okay because of all the reasons they smoke in the first place yes um, thank you very much and Bye. smoking is a you know i went to a residency program where i was at the va hospital and after you see 50 or 60 people die of lung cancer you get the idea that tobacco is killing lots of people fortunately only 14 percent of the population is now smoking but um, more women die of lung cancer than breast cancer and but i think you make a good point you know about tobacco as well yeah and i would you know i would then to the last caller i would invite you if you are looking for support or services to reach out to um to the substance use navigators at Adventist Health, um, and we can offer you uh, guidance and support for your nicotine addiction. Um, and also, I'm going to give a shout out to Cecil and Linda, two ER nurses that I worked with that 20 years ago. They started chewing nicotine gum, <laughs> and between the gum and then the nicotine patches. Um, I think much like Suboxone, somehow with some Ativan and, you know, you need 10 days without tobacco or two weeks, uh, there is some phone calls you can make that the state has programs. I think the stats show that if you can, can get down to 10 cigarettes a day, get to 10 cigarettes a day, you have a much higher chance of quitting. Also, the average tobacco person quits 
eight times before they're successful. And there's a lot of alcoholics and heroin users that continue to smoke cigarettes. You know, while we're um, on topic, Dr. Trotter, I wanted to... um to mention, you know, a very heavy topic that as a parent myself, um, I feel that uh, other parents need to be aware of, um, you know, the fentanyl issue as teenagers have always, um, you know, experimented and been interested in, you know, doing rebellious activity. I think it's really important. I want to encourage all parents to do education um, on drug use and addiction and especially fentanyl use because we are seeing um, kids, teenagers, young adults coming in to the hospital, to the emergency room with fentanyl exposure. And there's a lot of pressed pills that are um, that are being sold um, on the streets that are available and easily accessible to our youth. And it's really important to talk honestly and openly with your children about the risks and the and and how real it is to have an unintentional overdose. Um, I also would like to say that I think uh, the people that make the vaping things should be shot in the street, just my own personal viewpoint. Um, it's interesting that vaping, uh, you know, oh, it's just harmless, go ahead and vape. Do you know that there is no vaping uh, problem in England? Do you know why that is? Because the English are a lot smarter than us. They don't do whatever the tobacco companies want. And they only allow 5% of nicotine percent in their vaping products. And we allow 17%. So if you want to mainline nicotine, vaping is a great place to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just shocks me that the tobacco companies make money coming and going uh, doing all this and vaping. And that's the thing. Maybe you could talk about what it is like to be a teenager. Oh, I want to experiment. Let me take this pill on the street. Um, yeah, I can jump in on that. Okay. Um, I definitely think that that's a large component of it. You know, it is you hit that age and, and you are trying to find your own way in the world, right? And so um, anything, any authority figure, you know, I, the D.A.R.E. program was a thing when I was growing up. And so for me, that, again, it's like those scare tactics. Um, once I, you know, crossed the line, I was like, well, you know, the D.A.R.E. program kind of lied to me. And so I think... Um, if you have kids, be honest with them, you know, be open with them, open a line of communication. Like it's not about really scaring them, but it's about just like letting them know you're there and that these things are real because fentanyl is a lot different. You know, um, it's, it's everywhere. It's cheap and it's killing people. Okay. Um, caller. Okay. Just a second. We have another call. Valerie. Oh, yeah, caller, ahead. you're on the air. Hi. Um, I just had a, um, kind of a questiony comment um what is also being done like because i don't i'm lucky that i've never struggled with addiction myself but i have family members who um were addicted to opiates and other um, narcotics and other drugs um and what kind of support are you giving them as far as like um ensuring like helping them improve their conditions otherwise because i know a lot of people that have suffered with addiction 
have either mental health issues or they have issues of just poverty in general and like using it as like a tool for escapism like do you guys offer support with like getting them maybe a messy maybe there was an issue of poverty that you get sucked into um trying to escape from you know the reality of like maybe how hard life is and i'll take my answer and stuff off the air thank, thank you. you very much and we'll get back to you valerie go yeah i can jump in on that one um so we have we work with many community partners. We work with RCS. We work with um, Manzanita. We work with the county. To we primarily um, refer people to and work with them uh, for substance use. But then, if there is a need for housing or um, food insecurity or mental health, we refer them to our community partners. And Valerie, you wanted to add something to what Austin was saying. Yes, and I just wanted to tell people to never use alone that um, my my cousin uh, died about a year and a half ago because oh, nice. he decided to use heroin um, again, and he had been clean, and just as you were saying, it had fentanyl in it, and he was alone and unfortunately didn't make it. Um, so it's very important to never use alone, and if you are using, to have Narcan. I think Narcan is something that I hope everybody goes away from the show about. You can go to several different places, and it'll save somebody's life. If you know somebody that is, is using heroin or you're using it yourself, get some Narcan. Don't use alone. I think that's a good, good point. I also want to make a shout-out to the Mendocino Community Health Clinic here near, here in Ukiah, who has clinics all through Mendocino and Lake County. They have a great behavioral health department. So it's not that you have to go to the emergency room. Go to the go to the clinic at MCHC. Go to any doctor's office. Uh, go to New Life. I think it's making contact with someone and telling them that you have a problem is probably the biggest issue to overcome. Is to stop the denial and say you needed to do something. I want to talk a little bit more about the parent situation because I was worthless as a parent talking about this. I have three intelligent kids. I didn't think anybody would ever get a problem. You know, you all have any points for parents? Because it would be easier to stop people from using to begin with rather than trying to turn them around at 35. Yeah, I think, again, um, the main thing, and the, the caller before kind of brought this up too, it's, you know, people use substances for, at least in their minds, pretty legitimate reasons. You know, like we're trying to find connection, we're trying to find a feeling, we're trying to find something that we're probably not getting somewhere else. And so, like, again, like supporting your kids if they start to experiment rather than, you know, being punitive with them, um, opening up those lines of communication, you know, pl maybe plugging them into after-school programs, you know, because I think, like, we think of addiction as the use of drugs, and really addiction is about isolation. You know, it's about... You know, healthy people, they don't fall into the same trap because they don't feel so isolated. For whatever reason, you know, they have those strong community ties. They have strong familiar ties. And it is so I, I really think that um, if we're talking about addiction, we need to talk about the solution, which is really plugging people back in and supporting each other in the community. Um, okay, we have one more call. Caller, you're on the air. Hi. Um Let's see. I'm curious about the difference between methadone and suboxone, because um, I know that some people uh, 
you know, go out of the area to Santa Rosa to get methadone, and yet there's Suboxone here, Good you know, question. in Fort Bragg. So. Austin's going to answer that for you. Okay. Okay, um, great. Thank you. There I'll are turn few... my radio on. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, I mean, there are, there are a few differences. Um, methadone is a full agnostic, I think is, is the way it's said. It's, you know, it's a, it's a full opiate. Um, you know, it's, it's slightly uh, shorter half-life on methadone. Um, and, but the, the main thing is, is methadone is a more controlled substance. You know, you, you, you typically, if you're doing it for addiction treatment, you have to show up to a clinic almost daily to do check-ins. Um, while Suboxone can be a script can be written for you know typically you start out in a week and then you know, as you progress in the behavioral component it gets longer and longer. Um, the the difference is is that Suboxone is only half uh, agnostic and so it only binds um, halfway you know because it doesn't give you the full endorphin. You don't get um, high from it. Yeah, and and because of that. Um, not saying that all people who choose methadone are continuing to um, use, but the Suboxone really protects against other use. I mean, it is possible people have reported that they're able to, but, you know, the main benefit, I would say, from Suboxone is really the protection against overdose because of the way that it binds to your um, opiate receptors in your brain. When you use other opiates, it's a lot um, harder for your, for you to hit that stage where your body goes into respiratory failure, you know, your heart uh, rate falls, and then uh, you, you know, die from an overdose. So they're, they're two different, um, similar but different. Yeah, and you can go to New Life and do methadone, and they'll talk to you about the two different drugs. I'm going to uh, take the last two or three minutes to rant for a moment because um, if you look at Iceland, 300,000 people, they used to have the worst drug addiction amongst 14 and 15-year-olds in all of Europe. They now have the best. And much like Austin was saying, it's because they got their head out of their ass, um, and um, they now have Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday after-school programs for all their kids. And that after-school connection, doing basketball, art, et cetera, et cetera, made all the difference in Iceland, where 47% of the kids have been drunk the last 30 days. 27% had been using cigarettes in the last 30 days. 21% had been using marijuana in the last 30 days. All those numbers are under 10%. And I'm adamant that rather than, you know, we should be concentrating more on our elementary and junior high school kids and having the best elementary and junior high school kids and programs after school because just like Austin said, I think that's the best medicine is prevention, prevention, prevention. And I don't know why we as a society have this much money in our world and don't have sparkling everything kids could want. Because if they have this foundation, I think the chances of addiction are much less. That's my two-minute rant. Uh, Marianne, you want to finish, um, or Valerie, you want a finishing statement? We're going to be off the air in a moment. Yeah, I would like to just say to our community of Mendocino County, just a reminder that the disease of addiction is no different than the disease of diabetes. And to use medication to support um people who are suffering with addiction is a very useful and effective tool. And I think lastly that um, just to remember that everyone who is 
interacting or in a relationship with someone who has addiction is also suffering and that there's a lot of isolation that comes with addiction. So if you have a family member or a friend and you are nervous or scared or don't know how to reach out for support for that person as well as for yourself, please reach out to us and we will do what we can to engage you in support. So my phone number, which um, is the phone number for California Bridge for Mendocino County, is 707-485-4302. 485-4302. And Valerie, your phone number in Covalo? Um, right now, I just use my personal phone, which is fine. If you need to reach me, reach me at 540-655-2313. Or call Yuki Trails. Thank you very much for an excellent program, all of you. Thank you Thank so much. You. Thanks for having me. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red Donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.